Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, we got some news in last week. We got some bowls to preview here. We got 11 bowls in the ACC. We're going to hit up the first six of them in chronological order tonight. But first of all, how are you doing, sir? Doing well. Still don't have bronchitis, so we're rolling, <laughs> man. We're uh, we're knee deep in December, and I'm feeling better. So we are. We're, we're still good, not man. still not quite recording in HD, uh, but I have to. Fe- I have a feeling that's going to start after Christmas, after we get our uh, our haul. Yep. Yep. Um, have you? That's one uh, way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> have you? Uh, have you gotten all your Christmas shopping done? I I have, by the grace of God, really. Um, yeah, I, I, for those of you in the Virginia area, yeah, in the Virginia area, I work out by Tyson's Corner Mall, and for those of you who don't live in the Virginia area, Tyson's Corner Mall is one of the biggest malls in the Mid-Atlantic region, and, um, I had been going there after work, trying to get some of the shopping done, I was able to do that successfully, but... It got worse and worse the closer we got to Christmas, so I'm finally done. I don't have to go there anymore, thank God, because it turns into a two-hour trip just trying to find parking. So, glad we're past that, and yeah, my, long story short, my Christmas shopping is done, Joey. How about yours? That sounds like par for the course from what I know. Uh, yeah, mine's done. I got mine done, actually, like last week. I did really well. I just did it all online. So nice. What, what a time to be alive. It was great. <laughs> right? Amazon yeah. Prime is uh, a gift from the gods. That is it's very good. Some good stuff. So yeah, that's that's good. Um, we're sitting here recording Wednesday night, the twenty-first. So we are just uh, about seventy-two hours from Santa coming around. So, uh, but we got some bowl games to preview here. Um, we we get started here with the ACC slate. We got six straight days of ACC bowl games and ACC postseason action. Um, that'll handle everything. I mean, there's. Again, six straight days, and it's one at least one every day during that time span. Um, if Clemson wins their playoff game, they might play later, and, and we'll get to that here eventually. Uh, but for now, Mike, let's let's go ahead and get this started uh, on December 26th, so the day after Christmas at 2.30 p.m. on ESPN. The uh, shamefully bowl-eligible Boston College Eagles uh, at 6-6, six and six, going to be taking on the Maryland Terrapins at 6-6 out of the Big Ten in the Quick Lane Bowl from Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan, in what has largely been dubbed one of the least watchable bowl games of the year, Mike. That's pretty accurate. I mean, Maryland's playing Boston College, so if you got to, you know, really do anything else that day, run some errands, uh, you know, play a little winter golf. (laughs) Yeah, literally anything, like get some gifts you don't like you can return those like literally do anything but watch this game really if you're 
<laughs> if you're uh, not a BC or Maryland fan. No. Um, pray for Dan Rubin. Yeah, really pray for Dan Rubin. Pray for Dan Rubin just because he has to watch BC football and basketball play. But uh, at least they got hockey or something. So Boston College, uh, they somehow got to bowl eligibility by, I don't know, they were very lucky. Uh, defensively, obviously, this year, uh, not quite as good as in years past, but they were good enough to get the job done. Offensively, they were somewhat improved because Patrick Tolles completed 50% of his passes. So, yes, that is an improvement. Um, you no longer have your local peewee quarterback behind center at BC, and that's helped them a bunch, uh, at least to get to six wins. I feel like this whole thing with Boston College, and it's you know overlooked. We talk about you know Steve Adazio, offensive coordinator at Florida, when Florida was really good with Tebow, and we talk about that all the time. But I think what's a little bit understated here with BC is that they've probably reached their ceiling with this style of team with Steve Adazio. And it's not because this style of team can't win in college football where you don't have a great offense, but you have a really good defense. It can, but you have to have the athletes to do it. Uh, Boston College simply doesn't get the athletes on both sides of the ball every year. So they can't run this system that Steve Adasio wants to run, similar to that of uh, really a Florida team now, for example, um, Alabama to a lesser degree, um, given their defense relative to how they played on offense at times this year. Um, you know, those types of teams in the SEC get the athletes, and BC doesn't get the athletes. So I think we're pretty much topped out at 6-6 six and six for this style for BC. They're going to have to get an offensive coordinator if Adazio wants to be there long term. For Maryland, uh, DJ Durkin did a great job uh, in year one. Maryland's really hit a snag since really firing Ralph Regan, um, hiring Randy Edsel. They never really got anywhere. 6-6 six and six in the first year, winning the games for the most part that they were supposed to win there. And what was a pretty tough Big Ten this year to get to bowl eligibility. I think that's a successful year one there for Durkin and company at Maryland. Um, we hear a lot about them here in the D.C. area. And, you know, they got off to a hot start this year. They knocked off Michigan State, and that was a big deal. And then we realized what kind of team Michigan State was. So, I mean, Maryland's got a solid squad as well. These teams are very similar in that offensively they're not anything special. Um, neither team is very flashy offensively. But Maryland's got... A decent enough offense led by Ty Johnson running the football. He's run for over 800 yards this year, has four touchdowns. He hasn't really been a home run back, so to speak, but he's run the ball well for them. And I think that's what this game's going to come down to. I think it has potential to be pretty low scoring. But if you had to pick a team that had a better chance of putting up points, like usual, I think it's Maryland, or in other words, Boston College's opponent. Um, BC has had a lot of trouble putting up points, really, for the entirety of Adazio's tenure. It's going to be similar sledding here in the bowl game, not because Maryland has a great defense, but simply because Boston College's offense is just that bad. And because of that, I think Maryland has a great chance to win this football game. I couldn't tell you what the final score is going to be. I think these teams are very similar in style, so it's going to be an ugly slug em out game. But if you're asking for what team is going to score one more time than the other, I'm going to have to take Maryland. I'm going to throw some stats at you here, Mike. If you if you look at Bill Conley's S&P Plus uh, rankings. This game pits number 87 Maryland versus number 88 Boston College. And mind you, that's out of 128 teams, including bowl eligible and otherwise. Um, Is that bad? It's not good. Uh, these teams rank slightly below teams such as Ball State and Army and Duke 
and Northern Illinois. So that's not good. Um, Maryland on offense, <laughs> S&P plus-wise, is 81st. On defense, they're 82nd. Boston College on offense is 125th. And on defense, they are 21st. And so, by a long shot, the best thing in this game is Boston College's defense. Fair enough? Yep. That's like the only reliable thing, really, on either side of the ball for either team, I think, is Boston College's defense. And combine that with how bad Boston College's offense is, and I think you've got a relatively low-scoring game here. Um, but ultimately, I I, I kind of like Boston College here, actually, to kind of suppress a, a very weak Maryland defense, or uh, excuse me, Maryland offense. Um, I... I don't know that Boston College is going to light up the scoreboard either. And, I mean, if you look at Maryland's track record, they they played six games against teams that the S&P Plus would put in the top 50. They lost all six of them, and the highest win percentage was against Indiana with 5%. Oops. Like, they were nowhere close. But, again, Boston College is not like, you know, the 80, 85 Bears either. So, um that's where I, I kind of am tempted to lean Boston College here. The the Eagles, by the way, uh, a one point underdog. The the Terps are a one point favorite here. The total in this game is forty three and a half. I'm thinking the under on that one. Um, oh yeah, way under. I don't think this is a very high scoring game whatsoever. I think I trust Boston College's defense over anything. So give me the Eagles. Oh to my God! Win a bowl game. <laughs> Uh, thirteen to six. I think this Good is an God. ugly, ugly game. Like, like shield, yep. shield your eyes level of bad. There I, is approximately a six percent chance I watch this game. Uh, what's what's what are the chances that you watch this game sober? Can I take negative odds? <laughs> <laughs> You'll pay back money if you get it right, yeah. I will literally, yeah. I'll pay Vegas as much as they want me to to not watch this game. Fair That's enough. That's pretty much where I'm at with it. Do not, do not watch the Quick Lane Bowl. It, it's it's got to be one of the most unwatchable bowls of the bowl season. And this is as we're recording on Wednesday. Today's Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday, December 21st, I'm watching BYU and Wyoming play in the Poinsettia Bowl. And I'm telling you, do not waste your time watching the quick lane bowl don't do it this is going to sound ridiculous to the uninitiated you know the folks that don't pay a lot of attention to college football but i think wyoming might murder either of these teams <laughs> like wyoming yep. might be considerably better than either of these teams is wyoming's not even that good but they're better than these two teams and s p plus <laughs> Bill Connolly says. Would yes, agree. that's right. Wyoming's 68. Go. That's almost 20 spots better than Maryland and is 20 spots better than than Boston College. So, yeah, S&P Plus likes Wyoming quite a bit. Yeah, and side note, Wyoming has the ugliest uniforms in college football. they got the brown tops, gold and brown pants, and they're wearing their white helmets, which I kind of think the white helmets are sweet, but the rest of the uniform is just atrocious. Now, Mike, so. the one thing I will point out here about Maryland, again, relative to S&P Plus, is they, like I said, they're 0-6 against top 50 teams, and they're 6-0 and against teams outside the top 50. 
Boston College finds Ooh. itself outside the top 50. And BC so is. That could happen. That's unfortunate news for them, isn't it? It is. That's Although really technically Boston College, yep. Boston College has a win over a top 50 team, and that was NC State. Um, remember, Wolfpack, you are responsible for this. I can't believe it. Just Speaking of the Wolfpack, Mike, we should move on to later in the day on December 26th. Uh, Thank God. Giving you something to watch as soon as you're tired of watching this, which really might not come soon enough. Five o'clock on December 26th. Right after the coin toss. <laughs> yeah. They'll get to the opening kickoff. You'll be begging for this one. Uh, five o'clock, December 26th on ESPN2. The 6-6 six and six NC State Wolfpack taking on the Vanderbilt Commodores in the uh, Camping World Independence Bowl from Independence Stadium in world-famous Shreveport, Louisiana. Hokies reigning champs. Yeah, this is true. Um, get, get your hopes up for next year, NC State. Uh, you might <laughs> might win your division. Who knows? Uh, the Wolfpack, a four-point favorite. Probably not. Like, yeah, probably not. Um, Vanderbilt finished the year really strong. They, they beat Tennessee the last week of the year. Um, I mean... Not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. S&P Plus would heavily, heavily favor NC State here, but if you look at just, again, the way that these teams finish the year, Vanderbilt with a 38-17 win over Ole Miss and a 45-34 win over Tennessee, I mean, that got them bowl eligible, and they come in rolling, probably ready to prove something against a team that ranks considerably higher in NC State. That being a team that kind of stumbled into the gate a little bit. Uh, they lost... Good grief. What, five of their last seven? Um, yeah, yep. Wins at Syracuse and a, a win the last weekend of the year at North Carolina on Black Friday. Miracle. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really know what to expect from NC State in this game um, on a certain level just being that they, they weren't very consistent. Um, what do you what, What's your initial diagnosis of this game like? Well, I like everything you just said. Vanderbilt has a really good running back in Ralph Webb. Um, everybody's going to talk about Matt Days because he's really good in his own right for NC State. But Ralph Webb, really good running back for Vanderbilt. 12 touchdowns on the year, almost 1,200 yards rushing. Very solid. Matt Days, nearly identical stats for him. Ryan Finley, quarterback for NC State. you got to give the nod to him as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Um, 15 touchdowns on the year, 2,600 yards passing. I don't know, Vanderbilt just scares me a little bit because they lost to teams like South Carolina, Kentucky, Missouri. I mean, those are losses you'll sit here and question. But when looking at Vanderbilt, I think they have a team that can run right with NC State in this game. The, the concern I have um, with Kyle Schremer throwing the ball, like I said, is the interceptions because he's thrown quite a few this year. Um, before Vanderbilt, they're going to lean heavily on the running game, obviously, here this game against NC State. NC State's defense, though, has been very solid against both the run and the pass this year, and almost deceptively so. I mean, we looked at NC State, and we were trying to figure out about halfway through, are they actually a good defense? And we couldn't necessarily uh, decide that. The stats certainly suggest so. Um, And so NC State, coming into this game, I don't really trust them, but I feel like coming off of a win against a good North Carolina team, albeit a month ago, gives them momentum heading into the bowl game. I understand they haven't played a game in a month by the time this game takes place. But it's positive momentum from the last time out, and that will or or should anyway carry over into the bowl game into a matchup against Vanderbilt. 
because Vanderbilt lost to Missouri, and I think that's a terrible loss. I well, NC State lost to Boston College, so who are we kidding? Um, I'll take NC State in this game narrowly. Um, I think it could actually be relatively high scoring because both teams can run the ball really well, and I think that both of these running backs have enough in the tank to put up put up some points. Um, I don't think it'll be extremely high scoring, but I think this has a good chance for both teams to score, you know, maybe three or four touchdowns each, kind of make it a little bit interesting. So give me NC State narrowly here over Vanderbilt. This game is so tough to diagnose, Mike, because both of these teams were very inconsistent throughout the year. Um, I, I mean, it, uh, like you said, I mean, the NC State defense, like, they seem pretty good, but sometimes they're awful, and, I mean, sometimes they were great. And, you know, NC State, it's like we talked about coming into the year, they were pretty consistently had been the bar in the ACC. And then, you know, they lost to Boston College, like you mentioned, but then they go beat North Carolina – I mean, I, I, it's kind of hard to just predict, you know, what you're going to see out of that, that team. Vanderbilt, on the other hand, they played 12 games, Mike. Would you guess which one had the lowest win expectancy by Bill Conley's S&P Plus? I, I have no idea. The Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Oh, Go figure, yeah. huh? Vanderbilt Go had figure. a 0% chance of winning that game, according to the stats. 38-7 Georgia Tech. Big winners. Week 3. Um, come a long distance since then, though. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Yeah, so they—I mean—they had at least a ten percent chance of winning every game otherwise on their schedule, which is weird. Um, even hanging in there with teams like Auburn and Missouri, and I mean, those are very different quality of opponents. Uh, different. Florida, That's Kentucky, really nice. Georgia. They beat Georgia. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I want to go with the momentum pick here and pick Vanderbilt, but I think the the total body of work would say that NC State is quite a bit better, and North Carolina, you know, that win over North Carolina late in the year was, you know, nothing to scoff at. Um, uh, I'll, I guess I'll go with the ACC team here and take NC State, you know, for the full body of work. I have no idea which of these teams really wants to be here. Um, I think that's going to probably play a big role is how motivated either one of them are. And, I mean, remember, this is in Shreveport, which hopefully you like like riverboat gambling. <laughs> uh, I think that's about the main yeah. attraction in Shreveport, unless you're like a, you know, Duck Dynasty kind of kind of guy. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean. This is the I bowl mean, game was, that Georgia Tech lost to know. Air Force in in 2010, so that happened oh god oh it was as bad as you think it was maybe worse they dropped like two punts and it, it was awful I it caused a scene in it, front of my family it was great it wouldn't have been quite as bad but then you remember it was in Shreveport so literally makes everything worse yeah there's no redeeming quality I've never been to Shreveport I can tell you right now without ever going there I plan to never ever go there in my entire life there are no redeeming qualities about Shreveport so I've, I've never been there somebody either. somebody proves otherwise. Yeah, I've never been there either, and I, I have never heard anything that indicates that I my life would be better if I did go there. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm not missing much there, I feel like, and neither are you. And if you live there, I mean, I hope you like napping and reading books because 
I mean, that's about all you got going there. I'm not sure cell phone reception works. You know, televisions are probably hard to come by there. I mean, you know. I can't say for sure that they do have the internet, so there's some chance that they don't. Which is a shame, because then they can't listen to the Basketball Conference podcast. I was going to say, yeah, then they can't hear us just completely taking a dump on their town. Yeah. Although the last time I heard of a team taking a dump on the town they were in uh, for a bowl game was when USC was in El Paso playing Georgia Tech in the bowl game. And they, like, stood up Georgia Tech for, like, the celebratory dinner. And they, I mean, that was back in the Lane Kiffin USC days. And they, they basically They basically turned the entire town of El Paso into Georgia Tech fans in, like, less than a week. If that tells you anything about how they were treating it, so. As if USC wasn't hateable enough. <laughs> yeah. So, bad idea to criticize the town that you're in and that's trying to host you. Uh, would recommend not doing that. Give me NC State to win here. I don't feel good about it. Don't don't put money on them to cover or anything like this. This this game is totally unpredictable, and I would really recommend just staying away from predictions if you have to. Naturally, one team will end up winning by three or four touchdowns just because we both said that. And I literally have no, no idea which team that would be. No, <laughs> Could not be a clue. Either. Flip a coin for the result and also the final score and how close it is. No idea. Mike, there's another game we got to talk about that might might be a little bit of a blowout, and you're not going to want to hear this uh, because it involves your Wake Forest Steam and Deacons. I'm off the train again, Joey. Yeah, you're off Remember? the train. That thing yeah. is that thing is fully off the rails and tipping over. Um, seems off the side be, of a mountain. Seems, seems to be leaking a lot of information as it does. Um, <laughs> Sorry, too soon? Too soon? I get it. Wakey Leaks. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a Wakey Leaks reference. Uh, they, they are 6-6. Six and six. They are headed to Annapolis, Maryland uh, at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. They'll be playing in the Military Bowl presented by Northrop Grumman. That's right. That's a mouthful. 3.30 uh, p.m. on December 27th on ESPN. They're taking on the number 24 AAC champion Temple Owls. And, uh, yeah, so S&P Plus, again, says Temple is number 18. They say Wake Forest, number 72. Whoops. Uh, yeah, this might be trouble for the uh, the Stephen Deacons here, Mike. The problem for Wake Forest in this game is that, okay, let's start with this before I even dive into that. There are two opposing styles in this game, right? you got Wake Forest, love to run the ball, love to stop the run. Then you have Temple. Pretty good pass defense. Love to throw the ball. They score a lot of points. Wake Forest doesn't score a lot of points because who's their quarterback, Joey? Uh, John Wall. Am I allowed to say his you. name without adding? Am I allowed to say his name without adding like a freaking or something before him? Like, or right. does that have to go in the middle? John freaking Walford or Johnny Johnny freaking Walford? You know, like yeah, say it like you're from somewhere in the Northeast. I think it's Walford. anyway. Walford, yeah. Johnny freaking Walford. If I was in the Depotted? Depotted, that's right. Sorry, Dan Rubin. Yeah, right. Um, and, like, all of my family also. <laughs> uh, t- okay, back to the I game. I knew you were a Patriots fan for a reason. That's right, buddy. Um, okay, so, anyway, military bowl, right? Temple throws the ball a lot. Philip Walker, nearly 3,000 yards passing, 20 touchdowns. John Walford, uh Thank God he didn't have 3,000 pass attempts. He'd probably have 3,000 interceptions. The guy is a turnover machine. Through nine picks this year, only seven touchdown passes. Probably wouldn't have even been the starter if it weren't for Kendall Hinton being hurt because Kendall Hinton really assumed the starting quarterback role almost completely to himself. 
Wake Forest did that fun thing the last couple of years where they were kind of screwing around and didn't want to know who their quarterback was. Both of them were bad, so it didn't really matter. But Kendall Hinton brought the running aspect to it. When he got hurt, John Walford steps in. They lose the running aspect of their quarterback position. And they have a guy who steps back and throws the ball a ton, which in John Walford's case and in Wake Forest's case is not very good. Good news for Wake Forest, though, is they ran the ball pretty well this year. Um, starting with Cade Carney, having the couple of games that he had, um, really ran the ball well. Wake Forest really, though, he's a, a bevy of backs. Uh, Matt Colburn as well um, ended up being their leading rusher, even though he wasn't the guy who scored the most touchdowns on the roster as far as uh, from a rushing standpoint. The issue here that Wake Forest is going to have in this game is Temple has a bunch of athletes um, across the board, which is something you can't say very often. So we'll we'll, we'll leave this here because Matt Rule is heading out to Baylor where he'll have all the athletes he feels like at his disposal. Um, hopefully they get everything. I was going to make a joke. I don't want to do that because of the sensitivity of the situation. might offend like 90% of the people listening to this. Um, but hopefully they get things cleaned up out in Baylor. Um but he'll get some athletes out there, just like the ones he recruited at Temple. Obviously, really high-tempo offensive-type players um, like to throw the ball around a ton, a lot of really good receivers. That's what Temple has. Uh, Ventel Bryant's been the go-to guy for Phillip Walker. 744 yards, four touchdown receptions on the year. Uh, really been the go-to target, leading receiver in all the categories. Um, a guy that can really be relied upon there for Temple. They're going to throw the ball around a ton. I'm not sure Wake Forest is going to be able to stop it, and I think that's kind of what it boils down to in this game. Wake Forest pass defense is not very good relative to how, how decent their run defense is. Um, and offensively, Wake Forest, in my opinion, is not going to score enough points. I think Temple wins this game. I think they're anywhere between 11 and 12-point favorite is what I've seen. I think Temple covers here um, uh, to win the military bowl, kind of going away. It should be a pretty ugly game, I think, um, unless Wake Forest finds a way to sit on the ball and hang around. This game is really interesting, Mike. I think, and because the reason I look at it, you know, you mentioned that, that Temple likes to throw the ball around a lot, and they, I mean, they do. They, you know, Philip Walker will hit 3,000 passing yards on the year in this game, assuming he has about 101 yards. Um, so, I mean, they'll, they'll throw the ball, sure, but they also have a couple of running backs, Jihad Thomas and Reichwell Armstead. Both of them, with less than 100 yards individually in this game, will get to 1,000 yards rushing. Um, combined for 27 touchdowns so far this year. So Temple's fully comfortable rushing the ball. But if you look at Temple, they are very, very good on defense and solid on offense. They're, they're not totally anemic to the point that they just can't score, but really the thing that makes them so good is their defense. And if, if I told you that there's a team that's solid on offense and really good on defense... Doesn't that kind of sound like what Wake Forest is aspiring to be here under Dave Clawson? I mean, that's that's kind of what they're set up for, right, is be very good on defense, right, yep. you know, run the ball, be solid on offense. So really what you're seeing in this Temple team is kind of like a grown-up version of where Wake Forest is right now. Is that fair? That's fair. I'm not joking either. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. No, I mean, that's – I mean, no, I mean, that's that's a true statement. Yeah, this Temple team is pretty much what Wake Forest is aspiring to be right now. And as you mentioned, I mean, Matt Rule has, has left Temple, and he was the guy who's kind of constructed and designed this program over the last few years. Um, and so you, you never know what's going to happen from there. But um, So I think that's the, the big thing that adds a, a certain level of randomness and, and unpredictability to this game is that you can never tell how a team's going to perform when they're under new management. Um, 
you know, they might kind of just say, oh, our coach is gone, uh, you know, whatever, it's the military bowl, uh, we'll just kind of enjoy the trip and not get hurt and we'll be fine for next year. Or they could turn it into a win-one for the Gipper kind of thing for their interim head coach and, and on and on and on. So you never know. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that Wake Forest uh, has lost five of their last six games. Uh, they've lost at Florida State, home to Army. They beat Virginia at home. They lost at Louisville, home against Clemson, home against Boston College. And I think that Boston College loss that last week of the season is very indicative of things started to snowball on them a little bit. You get some negative momentum. I mean, they were 4-0, and and then they were 5-1, and and they finished 6-6. Six and six. And by all means, Wake Forest should be a better team than Boston College. They should have won that game at home. And I think things started to snowball on them and get some negative momentum and start to question what you're doing. You don't feel as confident in yourself. I, Temple's going to win this game, Mike. They're an 11.5-point favorite right now. Um, that's that's a pretty big spread for a bowl game. It is. I don't know how comfortable I am with Temple to cover, given that they're under new management. Um, I, I could easily see them winning by, like, 10, you know, and failing to cover, but... Um, give me give me Temple to win this game comfortably. I, I'm not going to make this, you know, a, a pick of the week style. Like, I'm real confident here. Um, but Temple definitely wins, and I, I kind of like them to cover. Given my record, I probably would be better served not to make anything pick of the week style. So <laughs> I'll just stick with my guns, Temple covers, and won't put any money on it, and we'll continue. Sorry, Stephen Deacons. Y- yep, Sorry. Next day, Mike, December 28th, 2 p.m. on ESPN, the number 23 Pittsburgh Panthers at 8-4, taking on the 6-6 Northwestern Wildcats out of the Big Ten. The New Era Pinstripe Bowl from Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, New York City. Um, I actually just looked this up. I, I don't know a damn thing about the boroughs in New York City, but... They say it's in the Bronx, and I think technically it's on the Bronx, but it's like a couple hundred yards from the island of Manhattan, so I don't know how much it counts. Ha! <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyways. Um, so Pittsburgh, a five-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. This is a weird one to me, Mike, because like, inside of a touchdown, you're, you're laughing at me like, this kid's a rookie to New York City. And in fairness, I've been there once, and it's been several years. Oh, it's so funny. Um, I, it's not it's not your take on New York as much as our takes so far on geographical <laughs> locations. Like, I, I came very close to destroying Baylor a couple minutes ago. You and I destroyed Shreveport, and now we're talking about whether or not Yankee Stadium's actually in the Bronx. So this has been, <laughs> it's been pretty fantastic so far. I mean, I can't give Baylor takes because I live in Texas, and if they hear me and get mad, I'm within reach. Yeah, and you don't want to be in reach of Baylor. That's for sure. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Back to anyway. the pinstripe bowl. All right. Yeah. Back to the pinstripe bowl. Uh, this is a weird one for me, Mike, because the, the line is under a touchdown. And by all means, Pittsburgh looks like a considerably better team. Um, I don't – I mean, the best win, according to S&P Plus, that Northwestern has this year – they beat Iowa on the road. Iowa is currently at number 20. Um, they did that at the beginning of October. And from there, they i mean, they lost to Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. They beat Purdue and Illinois. And I guess they beat 
Michigan State and Indiana. I mean, it seems a little bit like Northwestern kind of limped into 6-6. Six and six. Uh, They lost earlier in the year to Illinois State, by the way, and that's an FCS team for those keeping track at home. Um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel like Pittsburgh might find a way to run up the score here. Um, Pittsburgh, of course, freshly without their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, he left to take the OC job at LSU. We didn't really cover that in depth. I think that came out after our news segment last week. But outside of that, I mean, if if Matt Canada is still there, I I love Pittsburgh to cover this game. I don't I don't really see how Northwestern is going to hang there. Do you? Not. I mean, not really. I mean, they have. See, the thing about Northwestern is like their offense is decent, but their best games are against really inferior opponents. You look at Pittsburgh. They've only gotten better as the season's gone on. Um, really, after that loss to Miami, uh, there right before the last month of the season, they really started to turn it on. After that, it was a real wake-up call for them, losing to Virginia Tech and Miami there, um, and, and then really turning it around the last month of the season. They won four in a row to close out the year, eight and four going into the bowl game. James Conner announces this is his last game as a collegiate player. Um, obviously, great career for him. 1,000-yard rusher this year, um, a guy that's really meant a lot to the Pittsburgh program just because his story has meant so much, and he's been a spectacular player for them as well. Nate Peterman's had a really good year for Pittsburgh, 26 touchdowns and six interceptions. I sit here and and disgrace Nate Peterman week in and week out, but when you look at the full body of work, he has played well, so i got to give him credit as much as it makes me ill to do so. Oh, look um, at you. Feel that bronchitis coming on. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, Pittsburgh's got a lot of playmakers. I'm not sure Northwestern can stop any of them. And that's a sec- That's also like a phrase I never thought I'd say, that Pittsburgh had a lot of playmakers. They do. Um, Quadri Henderson, game-breaking type player. Um, he has been all year, runs a jet sweep, catches bubble screens, runs across the middle. He'll run kicks back for you. He's a punt returner. The guy is Tyler Boyd, um, reincarnated essentially. He's been really good for them as well. Pittsburgh scores a lot of points. Um, their defense sucks, but I think, ironically enough, Pittsburgh's going to get enough stops in this game to stop Clayton Thorson and the Northwestern offense. Um, if Pittsburgh loses this game, though, it's going to be because their secondary can't cover Austin Carr for Northwestern, who has 1,200 yards receiving and 12 touchdowns this year. Look, Northwestern, not a great team in the Big Ten, but they're decent enough to get to a bowl game. Austin Carr has never talked about because he plays for Northwestern, but he's one of the more underrated receivers in the entire Big Ten. Northwestern will hang around this game, but I think Pittsburgh, ironically enough, will make enough stops to win. So give me Pittsburgh in a shootout over Northwestern. I So one of the things about this game is that this is a very like strength-on-strength strength game. So Pittsburgh's offense, by advanced metrics, is one of the best in the country. Uh, Northwestern's defense considerably better than their offense. Their defense is playing at about a top 30 level. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense playing at about a top 10 level. Um, so that's worth noting. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Northwestern's offense is very middle of the road. It's in the mid-60s. Pittsburgh's defense also very middle of the road, about mid-60s. Um, so the thing is here, Mike, I don't know that we've seen anybody beat Pittsburgh this year by really pounding the ball and running it. Like, if you're going to beat Pittsburgh, it's going to be by throwing the ball. Um, Georgia Tech had a little bit of success running the ball when they played, but 
Pittsburgh ends up winning that game. So, I mean, I look at the four losses, and all of them were teams that were airing out the ball. And and so, to me, that's, that's what Northwestern has to do to win this game is air out the ball, like you said, and attack that very questionable suspect Pittsburgh secondary. And, and I don't know that Northwestern is quite as dynamic as they need to be to, to win that way um, through the passing game. Here's the other thing that's worth noting, Mike. Clayton Thorson uh, of Northwestern has been sacked 34 times this year. Yeah, offensive kind of line, lot. not great. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not great. And uh, and Pittsburgh, you know, they're, they're, their secondary has problems. Their pass rush does not have a lot of problems. Uh, Ewan yeah. Price and, and them boys, they could very easily get after Northwestern here and make this a, a total mess for them. Um, one of the other things that's worth noting here. And something that's been kind of a, a topic in the news lately is about all these players going to the NFL draft that are backing out of their last college game. And uh, I can confirm, Mike, there's a story out as of a couple of days ago that James Conner has confirmed he's playing in the pinstripe bowl. Um, yep. I, for whatever reason, those announcements are necessary now. Um, the merits of those we can discuss on a later podcast. But right. Um, with James Conner playing, and like you mentioned, all the other playmakers kind of around on the Pittsburgh offense – Sure, Matt Canada's gone. I don't. I haven't seen whether he's going to coach in this game. Even if he doesn't, I like Pittsburgh to kind of run up the score here and win this one fairly easily, cover five and a half. Um, give me Pittsburgh pretty big in this game, like 38 to maybe 24. Yeah, I don't want to predict a score because I'm not any good at it. <laughs> so Fair enough. Yep. All right. Two more here, Mike, before we get out of here. So later that day on December 28th, um, this is maybe one of the more intriguing matchups nationally outside of like New Year's six level games. The eight and four Miami Hurricanes in the Russell Athletic Bowl from Camping World Stadium in Orlando. Uh, they're taking on the number 16, 10 and two West Virginia Mountaineers at 5:30 p.m. on ESPN. Um, this looks like a really interesting game, Mike, and both these teams have pretty good, pretty dangerous offenses. Um, defensively, I think better than a lot of people would tend to recognize. Um, you know, they're teams that are they're The public's going to focus on their offenses, but their defenses are no, no slouches. This projects to be a really fun game, I think. Yeah, I mean, the defenses uh, are probably better than a lot of people give them credit for, but at the same time... Um, I think it could go over 57. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll give you that. I, I'd say fairly easily. I mean, I think j- just the caliber of these offenses, uh, you look at what Skylar Howard's done at um, West Virginia this year, um, you, you look at the receivers they have, um, Shelton Gibson's been spectacular, um, Justin Crawford, the running back's been really good. They like to spread you out offensively and really put a lot of pressure on, on you and in you know, if there's one team that Miami's faced this year, one type of team that Miami's faced this year that's really given them issues, it's been a spread type attack with players in space. Miami's defense doesn't seem to adapt too well to that, um, considering some of the losses that the Hurricanes have had on their schedule. Look at the North Carolina game, they lost to Notre Dame. Notre Dame obviously not any good, but they do have the athletes, you know, in space that can make a lot of plays when you think of a guy like C.J. Sanders, Josh Adams, a running back at ND as well. So Miami struggles with those type of teams and containing those type of 
players, and West Virginia has a lot of them. They got a lot of athletes that could put some pressure on you. But I think Miami, offensively, a has enough to keep up with West Virginia. But B, the defense has been really underrated, though. Um, even though they've struggled with those types of teams this year, they've also found a way to win some tough games um, against you know some of those offenses that may not be quite as elite as West Virginia's is in the Big Twelve, but. You know the Hurricanes have found a way before. They've they've done more with less, so to speak. So, look, the Hurricanes are an interesting spot here with Brad Kaya because we don't really know if Kaya is going to be sticking around after the bowl game. We think he will be. He's really improved over the last month of the year. His accuracy has gotten better. The offensive line, maybe more importantly, has gotten better. The running game, Mark Walton, the close to thousand yards on the year. Um, they so you know setting up the run with him protecting Kaya Kaya being able to throw for 3,200 yards 23 touchdown passes Amon Richards on the outside the freshman wide receiver has been spectacular for Miami as well he's really emerged so look I think the Hurricanes you know in this game they're going to have a great shot you know West Virginia seeing number 16 I think they're a little bit overrated just because they played in a Big 12 that's so extremely weak uh, but they do have a good team and they. They don't play a lot of defense in the Big 12, but West Virginia is one of those teams that is capable of getting stops. So, look, I think if Miami's able to run the football well in this game, keep West Virginia's offense off the field, you know, make a couple plays through the air, and then get a couple stops on defense with that stout linebacking court that they have, um, I, you know, I think the Hurricanes will be able to find a way to win this game. But I think it's going to be really high scoring. It's going to be back and forth. It's going to be one of those games that is definitely going to be worth watching if you love offense, but. I don't think it's a game that's really going to get out of hand from a defensive standpoint. I think defense will get enough stops. It won't be like watching a conventional Big 12 game. It'll just be really interesting to see which team is able to hold on defense, get enough stops to win this football game. My opinion, it's Miami. I think Miami's played a tougher schedule, even though it's been the ACC Coastal. West Virginia's out of the Big 12. In my opinion, the worst Power 5 conference in college football. I, I like the Hurricanes to win this game just because of their schedule, who they've played, and really because they they come in red hot even though they're going to be you know obviously having a month off before playing this game for a team coached by dana holgerson who runs that i think he i think he studied under mike leach if i'm not mistaken kind of that sorry to hear that, that yeah well yeah but running you know an air raid kind of pass heavy type of you know fits right in with the big 12 kind of system West Virginia really likes to run the ball, and they're good at it. Uh, they, they're they 18th in the country in rushing yards per game with 239.5, um, which is, is good. And, and so they're balanced. They have a lot of ways to beat you. Um, but at the same time, that's that's something that Miami's defense is going to be able to take away. They're, they're, the Miami defense, you know, the front seven especially, is going to be good enough to slow down that rushing attack and make Skylar Howard throw the ball over them, which – I mean, he, he can do, he's completing almost 61% of his passes, 30, you know, close to 3,200 yards, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions on the year. He's not terrible. Um, but I think with the way that this team is constructed right now, they would prefer to run the ball with Justin Crawford, Russell Shell, Howard, of course, and, and others. So it might kind of make them uncomfortable that way. So I'm with you. I kind of like what Miami's defense is going to be able to do to disrupt this, this West Virginia offense here. Uh, and, and I like kind of Miami's ability to be balanced in attacking the West Virginia defense. Um, I think West Virginia's 10-2 and two is a little, maybe a little inflated. Um, 
as you mentioned, I mean, the Big 12, as Power 5 conferences go, is about as easy as it gets. Um, their two losses were to Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Um, many people will remember that Oklahoma game was on a Saturday night, uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and uh, it was in the snow in Morgantown, and they lost by four touchdowns. It just kind of spiraled out of control pretty quickly for West Virginia. But, um, oh, yeah. West Virginia struggled with some not great teams at times, and, and so even even in getting to ten and two, I don't know how much I trust them to beat a team that can be as complete as Miami. As you mentioned, Brad Kaya, we haven't gotten a final answer from him yet on as he come back, as he's going to the NFL. We don't know for sure, but kind of kind of up in the air, and, and it's hard to speculate. Um, I like Miami in this game, Mike. Playing the ball game, I like so. them, and I kind of feel good about it. Right, it's and, it, and it's not far from from home. I mean, it's what four hours maybe driving Miami to Orlando. Can't yeah, be I mean, I, it's a long yeah. I mean, it's a long stay. It's about four hours, I think. Probably, yeah. but Miami at only a two and a half point favorite. I actually really like Miami to cover this game. I think Miami is even at eight and four is probably a. a you know, reasonably better team than a ten and two and ranked West Virginia team is. Um, give me the Hurricanes here, uh, thirty to seventeen. It's a good pick. I'll go with that score as well. I'll just take the scores you're taking. <laughs> uh, the total in this game is fifty-seven. I'd probably leave that alone. That would indicate like thirty to twenty-seven given the spread. So I could see it. Uh, yeah, I mean that. that could be spot on, so I, I, I don't know. But I, I, yeah, I, I'm not of the opinion of betting on that either. But I could see it. Yeah, yeah, leave it alone. Maybe go for the spread though. Careful. Um, I will. last one, Mike. <laughs> the your number twenty two Virginia Tech Hokies at nine and four uh, at five thirty p.m. on December 29th in the Belk Bowl at uh, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. They're taking on these 7-5 and five Arkansas Razorbacks out of the SEC in what seems like a pretty favorable matchup. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? Do you like the way that Virginia Tech matches up here? I can't make this any more clear. Virginia Tech should roll over Arkansas. They should beat them by a couple touchdowns. Arkansas has one really good player on offense, Raleigh Williams III, not to be confused with the town of Raleigh-Durham because this is a geographical podcast. Um, 1,300 yards rushing, 12 touchdowns for Arkansas. He's a good running back. It opens up the pass for Austin Allen. He's been fine. 3,000 yards passing, while good. He has 23 touchdowns to 12 picks. Decent player. He's really struggled in a pass rush, though. As soon as he gets a pass rush, he throws a lot of interceptions. Virginia Tech has a good pass rush. They should shut him down. Virginia Tech's running defense has been good all year. They should shut Raleigh Williams the third down. If they do that, Arkansas's defense is not very good. And Virginia Tech has a lot of playmakers that could, A, be playing their final game for Virginia Tech and or, B, be using this bowl game as a springboard to next year. Virginia Tech's going to be returning a lot of stars on both sides of the ball next year. Uh, regardless of if Isaiah Ford and Bucky Hodges decide they are, are staying or are not staying in school. Um, this would be the first double-digit win season for Virginia Tech since 2011 when they lost in the Sugar Bowl to Michigan. By the way, that was a catch. Uh, <laughs> Danny Cole. 
Um, so this is a game I think can springboard Virginia Tech into next season. The running game has struggled for the Hokies most of the year. Gerard Evans, of course, will be the X factor in this game because he's the leading rusher for Virginia Tech. He's a guy that throws the ball around very well. He's been good all year. 27 touchdowns, 7 picks, 3,300 yards passing. He's taking care of the football for the most part. He's made really good decisions. He's going to have to do it again against Arkansas. They will not roll over. But Virginia Tech is a much better team, and they should win this game going away. I'm with you. I, uh, Arkansas never really caught this year, so to speak. I mean, they never really uh, – there was never that one point where they really took off and got really good. Um they started off four and one with the one loss being an in, in conference game. Um, I don't know. I, their best win this year. If you look at S and P plus is against Ole Miss and Ole Miss was, you know, fine. <laughs> I mean, as fine as like a five and seven team can be, I think, were they five and seven or four and eight? I don't know. Uh, uh, five and seven. Yeah, um, Chad Kelly injury really just – they were bad before that, but Chad Kelly injury really just – Yeah, yeah. Icing on the cake. Arkansas just – there's there was nothing really outstanding about Arkansas. Um, their offense better than their defense. Their defense had quite a few holes in it, and I think that's something that Justin Fuente and Virginia Tech are going to be able to exp- uh, exploit with, with regularity here. Uh, I'm, I'm expecting a pretty big game from Gerard Evans here. I, and plus, I, I mean, I, I'm not entirely convinced that Arkansas is going to have an easy time moving the ball and scoring against Virginia Tech's defense. This feels like a mismatch altogether. Um, Virginia Tech's only a seven-point favorite here. I would actually consider putting some money on this game. I, I, seven points does not seem like a lot for uh, as significantly better as West Virginia or West Virginia Virginia Tech would seem to be here. So. Um, give me the Hokies pretty big in this game. Um, I think they're going to run it up here. I think 38 to 20, maybe. I, I don't think this one's yeah. going to be particularly close. And this now, is a bad matchup. Yeah, I agree. It's it's just, uh, it's it's decent name brand matchup for the Belk Bowl that, you know, Belk Bowl is fine, I guess. But, I, I mean, this is a, it's a, it's a name brand matchup, so to speak. Um against two teams that have winning records but are seemingly at different stages of the program. Like, I'm not really sure where Arkansas is going right now. They're kind of just stuck in mediocrity, and Brett Bielema is more than happy to take them there. And then Virginia Tech is on the up-and-coming there in the ACC, obviously winning the Coastal this year and getting back to conference championship. Really good offense. Defense has been good. It's just two different stages of programs right now and I'm just not sure Arkansas is really all that good so I, I I agree with you I think Virginia Tech wins this game by a few touchdowns are we doing picks of the week this week do you want to yeah let's do it what the hell alright now we should start with a disclaimer gambling on bowl games do it at your own risk and of course do any gambling at your own risk but especially bowl games because Especially with things like spreads. I mean, you, you have no idea which team is going to show up. You've got weird circumstances like coaches leaving and players leaving and doing all sorts of stuff to where you don't really know what kind of effect that's going to have on the team. So, at your own risk. However, if you were gambling, 
let's let's make our our best picks as we can out of these six games. Mike, would you like to start, or would you like me to go first? Oh, good God! I'll I'll defer to the second half. Defer. <laughs> I'll defer. Right, you'll, you'll go first on the uh, on the second set of, of bowl games we have then. Sounds good. Uh, for my pick of the week, I'm looking at the Boston College Maryland game. The total in that game is 43 and a half. That seems way too high. I think that game is going to stay comfortably under. You figure 43 and a half is more than six touchdowns. I don't see any real reasonable way that these two teams combine for six touchdowns. Better defensive teams than they are offensive and pretty awful offenses. I, I don't see it. Yeah, under 43 and a half for Maryland and Boston College. That's a nice pick. Um, my pick's going to come from the Military Bowl. Uh, Temple, 12-point favorite. I think they cover against Wake Forest. Not really sure how Wake Forest is going to stay competitive in this game. They've found a way to stay competitive against much better teams than Temple. Um, Louisville's a great example for three quarters. And then Louisville almost covered. Uh, but Wake Forest has stayed in games this year. Um, and I think they'll stay in this one, but I think ultimately Temple's going to be able to cover 12 points. Um, you're telling me Temple can't score two more touchdowns in Wake Forest? You're out of your mind. I like Temple to win this game. I don't know between 14 and 17 points because I think they'll cover the spread. I'm not really sure this military bowl will be all that close, to be honest with you. So I'm going to take Temple to cover. The crazy thing is that that's a 12-point spread in a game where the total is 41. Yeah. That is, that is an it's exceptionally very weird. low total. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a low, it's a low total given the point spread. But, um, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd actually almost be willing to – it would be risky. I, I wouldn't – do it if I were you, uh, but I'd be almost willing to take the over on forty-one because you're basically betting, you're betting on you're betting on Temple essentially to score, like. A t- so a twelve-point spread with that total, you're banking around like a twenty-seven, yeah, fourteen. Kind right, of that's what I, exactly. I was gonna say twenty-eight, twenty-seven, or twenty-eight to fourteen, and if that's the case, you're right there. You're you're right at you're right at forty one or you're at the over. So yeah, I Which could I could see. I could see I could see Temple running it up there. Um, Twelve still seems kind of like a lot. Um, I the other one that really sticks out to me, and, and there are some people that really disagree with this that would think that uh, like I, I, I was listening to the uh, the Solid Verbal with Ty Hildenbrandt and Dan Rubenstein earlier this week. They're convinced that this is going to be a three point game. I don't know how Northwestern is going to stay within three points of Pittsburgh. Maybe they do it. Maybe Northwestern is better than I think that they are. But That's insane. I think Pittsburgh might totally just you know mop the floor with Northwestern in this game, um, assuming they come in all motivated and the offense doesn't look completely different than it ever has under Matt Canada. So that's another one to look at. Um, yeah. I think those are the good ones. And then, yeah, like we said, Virginia Tech, it, it only a touchdown – Seven points kind of a lot to, to lay, especially in a bowl game, again, where you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But uh, I think with the disparity and the quality of team, if, if they both come out equally motivated and there's no you know real lag factor, Virginia Tech should be no less than seven points better than Arkansas here. Yeah, that's, that's another potentially popular pick. Yep, I'm on that. All right, deal. Mike, anything else before we get out of here? We're good, man. We're good. Well... We'll find out about that later. We have covered everything we want to cover. 
I don't know if we're good, but we'll figure. Good it out. enough, man. Yeah. Well, hopefully the next time you guys hear us, we'll be coming at you at high definition here. Um, we, we've got some Christmas gifts coming our way that hopefully will make us sound a lot better. I don't know if it's going to make us sound smarter, but it will make us sound more clear in your headphones or you know, over your car speakers or wherever you listen. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, I don't know gonna... how you listen to it once again in Shreveport. I don't know what they do down there. but yeah. uh, they, get, they get mailed like eight tracks that have had this burned onto them. Yeah, eight tracks. Nice. Yeah, I think it shows up by Pony Express. Oh, my God. <laughs> Backwards ass, Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, yeah, so we'll be coming at you a little later, uh, probably sometime in the in the day or two after Christmas. Uh, we're going to be looking to preview the remainder of the bowl games. Um, I, we haven't determined yet how we're going to do the recap for some of these games. I figure we might do them in the same segments, maybe the first six and then the final five. Um, but yeah, this this gets you all the way through the December 29th bowl game. So the remainder of them are on December 30th and December 31st. Uh, there's five games in that slate that feel like they probably deserve a little extra attention, so we'll kind of separate them from these six. Um, so we've got some really good stuff still coming your way. Uh, keep an eye out for that. But uh, Mike, until then, have a Merry Christmas and uh, enjoy the bowl games, and uh, we'll talk again soon. You too, man. Thanks. Appreciate that. Of course. All right. Well, until then, uh, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Go ACC.